Party Music Man. Now we talk about Keith, B flat. Now tell me what key was we in right there? Uh, I don't know, but she was up there. Okay. <laughs> hey, when you, was that F? Okay, okay, thank you, Connie. When you when you got a key that the music man can't find, we in, we in good shape. No, thank you, Kay, beautiful. Thank you, thank you, choir, for leading us. Genesis chapter 39, I'll invite you to turn with me in God's word to Genesis chapter uh, 39. Appreciate all of you honoring the Lord. The music today, I believe, very much blessing to us. So good to see my friend Kay. I lost her a minute ago. I'll find her again. Oh, Kay, where'd she go to? There's Kay. Kay's been my friend all my life. Uh, she's the best friend to my daddy's sister, my Aunt Marilyn, who was my absolute hero. She's been gone 41 years. Hard to believe that. But uh, I just had a flashback, Kay. And two, one, I want to say this. Connor took my girlfriend away from me over 40 years ago, so I'm still mad at Connor, okay? But no, me and Kay were tight. She used to carry me around. She don't try that anymore. But uh, uh, I had this flashback because her and Marilyn's answer for me when I got a little antsy and you know, twitchy and all that kind of stuff was that that boy needs something to eat. He's hungry. And so uh, they took me over to Miss Ruth Krause and the first grilled cheese I remember eating was at Ruth Krause's table. And so when you see what you see here today, it's all Kay and Marilyn's fault. They fed me all the time. But anyhow, they got me in a bad habit of eating, but no, I love them. And thank y'all so much. Good to see y'all. Um, just good memories and God is really, really good. Amen. Genesis chapter 39 if you found your place, you physically able, won't you stand with me? Honor and reverence to the reading of the Word of God. We'll certainly not read this whole chapter here, but I want to read a portion of it, and it's on uh, the front of your worship guide as well, and will be on the screen. Genesis chapter 39. It says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight, and he served him. Then he made him the overseer of his house, and all that he had put under his authority, all that he had, he put under his authority. So it was from that time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake and the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. He did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome form and appearance. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, help us today to make known the unsearchable riches of your word. Help me, Father, to be able to verbalize what you have taught me over these years, and especially this week, in preparation to speak to your people. Remind me that I handle the most, two most important things under heaven to you, and that is your word and your people. I pray we do that faithfully today and every day. Father, most of all, we pray that the word of God will have an eternal impact on the hearts and minds of all those who are here today. And may we all leave here changed 
and may we live differently as a result of the impact of the word of God on our lives. Pray it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, you may be seated. Last week we began talking about Joseph, Jacob's most favored son. We talked about how that he is probably without a doubt the most uh, or the best example from the Old Testament in the entire Bible outside of Jesus himself of a man who walked in integrity, a man who demonstrated godly character even when he was under intense pressure to conform to the ways of the world. We left off last week and we didn't cover the entire 37th chapter and if you're a student of scripture, you know that chapter 37 and then there's a break in chapter 38 about Joseph but then picking back up in chapter 39 through the end of Genesis chapter 50 is a whole lot about the narrative of his life and the difference he made in the lives of others. Last week we talked about how he was the favorite son, how there was a real problem with the brothers, how they hated him so because his daddy favored him so much. If you'll be notice back in chapter 37 and if you follow through verses 5 through 36, you notice that a lot of the problem resulted from some dreams that Joseph had because after that he was more or less disowned by his brothers to say the least. He had two dreams and I just want to catch you up on those as we see what happens here in chapter 39. But he had two dreams in chapter 37. One was the dream of the sheaves which was a dream of position. It was a dream of power. The harvest field that he saw in his dream was a symbol of the world's resources, the world's bounty, and the world's wealth. In that dream, Joseph saw the harvest field and he saw the sheaves standing in rows. Joseph's sheaf stood among the sheaves of his brothers, but all the other sheaves bowed down to his. That was his first dream. In his second dream, he had a dream not like the one of the sheaves. He had a, the dream of the stars. Joseph saw the sun, moon, and the 11 stars bow down before him. And in this dream, Joseph saw the stars representative of his brothers. He saw the sun and the moon representative of his father and his mother bow down before him. You can imagine what kind of repercussions this put through the family. His brothers were enraged. He was even rebuked by his own father. Even though he favored him, he rebuked him for what he said his dream saw. In verse 11, <coughs> excuse me, of chapter 37, the Bible says his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. In verse 12, it informs us that Joseph's brothers had returned again to feed the flocks. You'll remember last week that uh, Jacob sent Joseph out there to give a report but now they go back again and can you imagine the conversation that's going on between these brothers? Can you imagine how, <coughs> excuse me, they are responding to what they had heard about these dreams? You know, it's pretty clear that what they do about Joseph had to be on their minds and had to be on their minds then and about their future actions. Jacob sent Joseph again to see about his brothers. And as you read the story, you got to get in the story to understand it well. He sent him from a place called Hebron or Hebron. He sent him to Shechem, which was about a 60-mile walk. If 
You want to know about how far that is? If you go out here to exit 205 and you go directly to the Six Flags exit, it's exactly 60 miles. I don't know any of us is going to wake up in the morning and say, think I'll walk to Atlanta. No, not on our agenda at all. So it's a 60-mile walk from Hebron to Shechem. And Dothan was about 12 miles further along the path. It was north of Samaria, and it was on a caravan route that was running north and south due to the trade routes down in Egypt. The word Hebron means fellowship. Jacob's sons had departed from a place of fellowship which suggests that they had a loss of spiritual things. They weren't concerned about spiritual things. They left the Hebron of fellowship to go off to Shechem. How do we apply that today? Well, we understand that today God's children also have a real tendency to drift, don't we? Have a real tendency to drift from that close and intimate relationship that God desires to have with us. If we're not careful, we can get out of fellowship with God by allowing sin to go unconfessed in our lives, which will cause our hearts to become calloused toward the voice of God. And I'll tell you one of the most dangerous and most miserable places any person could be on the face of the earth is to be a child of God who has a relationship with God that cannot be severed but get out of fellowship with God because we refuse to confess our sin and our hearts get cold, calloused, and indifferent to the voice of God. It is a dangerous place for the child of God to be in that place. Oh, they went from Hebron to a place called Shechem, which means strength. Jacob's son had also left this place of strength as well as they left the place of fellowship. They were in a place of fellowship. They went to a place of strength, but they traveled on down to a place called Dothan, which means two wells. Dothan was about 12, 14 miles north of Shechem. Jacob's sons had finally settled in this place because it offered material comforts and they had drifted for a period of time, but now they had settled in a place that gave them the comforts they enjoyed even though they had drifted from the blessing of God. That's where Joseph found them, and that's where the, this story begins to take shape. In verse 18 of chapter 37, the Bible says, Now when they saw him, speaking of Joseph, when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. They had it in their heart and mind to do away with him. They had had enough. They had already drifted far from God. Their hearts were totally being controlled by the enemy. They had, they had nothing on their mind but eliminating Joseph. The brothers stripped him of his coat put him in an empty pit where there was no water. They sat down after that. While their brother's in a pit, they go sit down and eat supper. Boy, these are some callous dudes, aren't they? They sat down to supper and they decided, I'll tell you what we'll do. We won't kill him. We won't just leave him in that pit where he doesn't know water and he'll starve to death. Here's what we'll do. Uh, we'll just sell him. We'll just sell him to a band of Ishmaelites that are coming this way and you keep in mind that's the enemy they began to concoct a plan to even deceive their own father. They killed a goat, dipped Joseph's coat in the blood, and they told their father that he had been killed by a wild beast, but what truthfully had happened is they had sold him to the enemy. But in verse 36 of chapter 37, the Bible says this, the Midianites, speaking of those Ishmaelites, they sold him again. 
and they sold him to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guard. You say, preacher, when I walk out of here today, tell me something you want me to take with me that can help me between now and next Sunday. And if you walk out of here today, I hope you will take this with you that you will realize today that regardless of the events in your life, that every event in your life is being used by God to prepare you to fulfill your God-given purpose. Every event in your life. You'll remember that I've taught you in the past that your life will be shaped by the places you go, the people you meet, and the books you read. I really believe that. The people you meet, over these years I've met a lot of good people. I've met a lot of people that brought great value to my life and encouraged me greatly. And I've told you, people come into your life, they're one of two things. They're a blessing or a lesson. I've met a bunch of blessings. I've learned a lot of lessons, amen? I'm grateful. Your life is shaped by the people you meet, the places you go, whether it's through travel, through missions, or whatever it is, your life will be shaped by those things in the books you read, and I know reading is not a real popular thing, and people think, well, I don't have time for that. I want you to hear me. You need to be feasting on the Word of God and things that help you learn to walk with God. Amen? I really, really believe that. So as we walk into chapter 39, we go in with a mindset that everything that happens in life is for God's purpose to be fulfilled through us, and we see that personified in the life of Joseph. Notice with me, if you will, as we talk about the subject today, forsaken but faithful, we begin by looking at Joseph's testimony. Look with me again, if you will, at verses two and three where the Bible says these words, the Lord was with Joseph. That's good, amen? The Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and the master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. Can you imagine? Listen to his testimony. It is clear that God is with him. And there's two things we notice about his testimony. The first thing we notice is the evidence of his faithfulness. Verse 2 says again, The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. When we talk about success, the world defines success by this. He who dies with the most toys is the winner. Friend, I want you to know the world's definition of success and God's definition of success are two different things. The world says it's all about what you can accumulate when success in the eyes of God is was the purpose of God fulfilled in your life. Your being faithful to God and the fulfillment of his purpose is what makes you successful. Some people think that a pastor is only successful if he's a megachurch pastor. I know some megachurch pastors that give anything if they weren't, amen? I'm telling you, it's not about the, it's what Adrian used to say. It's not about how many people come to hear you preach, it's about how many people are going to live differently this week because of the word they heard you preach, amen that's what it's all about so he was faithful, there was evidence of his faithfulness, the Bible is very clear that the Lord was with him, let me ask you today do you want it to be clear to the people that walk the streets of this city to know that God is with you, 
Amen? Hey, listen here, and keep this in mind. Keep it clear in mind. It was evident that God was with him. He was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. He was being faithful even when the circumstances were unfavorable. There was evidence of faithfulness. But notice the second thing, if you will. There was also the effects of his faithfulness. Look at verse 3 again. His master saw that the Lord was with him. Now look here. And the Lord made all he did to prosper. Back up to that first statement. His master saw that the Lord was with him. Now can't, wait a minute. Potiphar, an Egyptian, is looking on the life of this Hebrew boy and he sees clear evidence and it is having an effect on him because it is clear to him that this boy has somebody's anointing on him that is beyond this world. Amen? Hey, here's the good thing, and I believe this wall of my heart, church. Our testimony should be so clear. Our faithfulness to God should be number one so that everybody who meets us, especially even unbelievers, would say, you know what? The Lord is with that boy. The Lord is with that girl. God has his hand on them, and it's clear to see. Joseph had a testimony, even in a pagan land, of being faithful to God, and God's blessing was evident on his life. Well, see, it's not just about Joseph's testimony. It's also about Potiphar's trust. Look, look at verse 4. Joseph found favor in his sight. Joseph found favor in his sight, and notice this, and he served him, and he made him overseer of all that he had. Now guys, I want you to notice something. Potiphar's trust came as a result of Joseph's testimony. I believe this wall in my heart. I'm a trusting person. I've been accused over the years, and rightfully so, of being too trusting. I want to trust people. I don't want to find the worst in you. I want to see the best in you. Amen? Do y'all do that? Do y'all know people? Do maybe it's in your family, friends, or your coworkers, or whatever that are just cynical and skeptical of everybody? It's a pretty miserable way to live. Amen? I mean, I, don't get me wrong. You can't go through life like an ostrich with your head in the sand. I understand that. But, but if you're constantly skeptical and cynical of everything and everybody, it will eventually drag you down. It will become a weight to your walk with God if you're a Christian. Now listen, he trusted him, and the first thing I want you to notice was is he accepted him. He accepted him, and it made no sense to do so. What happened? He bought this old boy from a band of Midianites, brought him to his house, and he began to see what he was doing, began to see how he was behaving, and he accepted him. He found favor in his sight, but he also gave him some authority. He put everything he had under his authority. Think about your closest friends today. Think about the people closest to you throughout your life. My very best friend is my wife. She's a person that I've trusted and stayed true to me through it all, and I would, would never, ever let anybody else be my best friend but her. Amen? Sir, that ought to be true of you too. I want you to know that. But you have other people that you trust, other people that you have great respect for, other people that you will trust with things that are very precious to you, and that's good, and you should. But I want you to know Potiphar's trust in Joseph went beyond just surface trust. 
He gave you everything he had. He trusted him with everything that he had in his house and he gave him authority over those things. Then I want you to notice with me, if you will, Joseph's temptation. If you'll notice at the end of verse six, there is a striking phrase. It seems a little out of place, doesn't it? I mean, when you read the word of God and we know that every word of God is inspired, it's God-breathed, it's not out of place, it's right where God wants it, but in our way of thinking, it's like, wait a minute, we're talking about Joseph's testimony, we're talking about Potiphar's trust, we're talking about the evidence of God working in his life, we're talking about the evidence of God's blessing being upon him. Now, all of a sudden, you want to tell me that Joseph was very handsome in form and appearance. Seems a little out of place, doesn't it? But it's not. It's not out of place at all because that phrase right there lets us know that the story is about to change. It's about to take on another avenue. Nothing's going to change about Joseph's character, but there are some things about to change concerning his circumstances. Notice what happened in verse 7. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. You notice we never get a name for his master's wife. I just always called her the Genesis Jezebel. I didn't know what else to call her. We don't get a name for her, but we know that she belongs to Potiphar. She cast longing eyes on Joseph. Why? Because the verse before you told you, he was handsome in form and appearance. It said, lie with me. But look at verse 8. But he refused. He said to his master's wife, Look, my, masters, my master does not know what is with me in the house and he has committed all that he has to my hand. Here's what he's saying. My master has trusted me. I've earned his trust and I will not surrender the trust that I've earned regardless of what you do. Amen? The pressure gets even more. He said, there is no one greater in this house than I nor has he kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Here's the key, church. Listen to me. If you're a man, a woman desires to walk with God, I want you to listen real close because temptation comes to everybody. I used to think you had to be handsome in form and appearance to be tempted, but all you have to have to be tempted is a pulse. Amen. Now look here, here's what we know. If you want to walk with God, what must be the motivating force in your life must not be anything external, it must be the God who dwells within you internally. Here's what he said. He said, how can I do such great wickedness and bring dishonor to the name of God? You know what that tells us about Joseph? Is he was saying, regardless of what happens, I will honor God and God will be my guide. God will lead me and I will not dishonor him just to make you happy. Amen? Well, what happened? You say, well, that probably took care of her. <laughs> nah, not old Genesis Jezebel, huh? Oh, Jezebel, look what happened to her. It says, so it was, she spoke to Joseph day by day. This is a relentless woman, ain't it? Amen? 
Proverbs warns us about these kind of women. Look here. She came after him day by day. But oh, I love Joseph. He did not heed her. He did not heed her to lie with her or be with her, but it happened about that time that Joseph went in the house to do his work that none of the men were in the house was inside and she called him by his garment. But he left his garment in her hand and he fled. He ran outside. She called the men of the house, spoke to them saying, see, he has brought. Who's she talking about? Her husband. She's talking about her husband, Potiphar. Said, he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Just a minute ago, he was all that the bag of chips. Just a minute ago, he was the star of the show. Just a minute ago, he was the object of her desire. And now he's just a filthy, rotten Hebrew that was brought in here to mock us. Wow. Was it worth him maintaining his character and integrity? Absolutely. So look here, you brought him in here to mock us. He came in here to lie with me and I cried out with a loud voice and it happened when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and he fled and he went outside. Look at verse 16. So she kept his garment until her master came home. Boy, I got you now. Wait a minute. One minute she's trying to dishonor her husband by seducing Joseph. One minute, her husband is no good. Joseph is everything. The next minute, wait a minute. Her husband, it's all his fault. If he hadn't have brought that handsome guy in here, I wouldn't have even been tempted. <laughs> no, no, wait a minute. He's not really that handsome. He's just an old stinking, filthy, rotten Hebrew that my husband brought in here and placed some undue trust in him, gave him too much authority, and look here, when, when I tried to make his life even better, look what he did. He resisted me, he refused me, I'm gonna make him pay. Kind of folks you wanna hang out with for dinner on Saturday night, amen? No, 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 listen. You just wait till the master comes home. You know, you just wait, buddy, I've got you now. And in verse 17, he said, then she spoke to him with these words, saying, the Hebrew servant whom you brought, wait a minute, this is all your fault. She's putting it all back on her husband. He says, whom you brought, you know what he did? He came in to mock me. And you know what Joseph was doing? His job. He was doing his work. But look, so it happened. As I lifted my voice and cried out, he left his garment and he fled outside. When he was coming to try to take advantage of me, Potiphar, I tell you what, I was your wife. I honored God in you. And you know what I did? I, I screamed real loud. He ran off. He left his coat. And I've got the evidence right here to prove that he is not worthy of your trust. Wow. Joseph, two things. He was faithfully alert but he was falsely accused. Now think about this for a minute. Sir, if you want to stay alert against the attacks of the devil on your life, you are going to have to make this book the guide of your day, your thoughts and your desires. 
Uh, it's been said that th this, this book will keep you from sin and sin will keep you from the book. I believe that's true. But if you will stay focused on the word of God, you will fall deeply in love with the son of God and you will allow the spirit of God to guide your heart, your mind, your thoughts, and your actions, then you can walk with God as Joseph. But if not, you could become just like Potiphar's wife. He stayed alert because what mattered to him most was is that God would be honored regardless of what it cost him. He was falsely accused, but yet he still remained true. Notice what happened. So it was. The master heard these words. Look what your servant did to me after this matter. His anger was aroused. Wow. Falsely accused. You ever been falsely accused? Sure you have. Well, how do you respond to that? Well, a preacher, we just defend ourselves. We just tell them the truth and everything's okay. Well, not always. Because when you are falsely accused, there's something that will speak louder than anything else that you could ever say, and that is the effect of your consistent testimony. Notice Joseph's treatment. I read verse 19. Look at verse 20. And Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. Wait just a minute. Just a few minutes ago, he was living down at Potiphar's palace. Just a few minutes ago, he had tremendous authority. Just a few minutes ago, he had favor from Potiphar, the Egyptian officer, among this Hebrew boy. He had all of these things going for him, and in one moment of standing for his integrity and godly character, it caused him to go from the palace to the prison. You reckon he felt forsaken? Reckon he was upset at Potiphar. Reckon he was upset at the other people. I'm sure he probably had some thoughts about Potiphar's wife. But I'll tell you one thing's for certain. It could have been possible if he was like us, he would have said, God, why'd you let this happen? Why in the world did this happen to me? I've been this. I put up with this and I put up with that. My brother sold me off. They told my daddy I'm dead. I got bought by these Midianites. I got sold to Potiphar. I did everything he told me to do. And here I am again in prison. Cast into prison. Can you imagine that? Verse 21. Don't you just love the word of God when you think it's real bad? Look at verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. Can anybody smile about that? Now, come on, man. That ought to put a smile on, you, on your pie hole right there. Amen? Look at The Lord was with Joseph. Oh, wait a minute. He showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Folks, I'll tell you what, that'll make a Presbyterian turn to somersault right there, amen? Now, I want you to hear me today. When he went from the palace to the prison, wait a minute, his journey was more than that. He started out with his brothers, they put him in a pit, they took him up, they sold him to the enemy. The enemy sold him off to Potiphar, took him to his palace his wife told a bunch of lies on him it wasn't even true and now he's 
in prison, but he's still finding favor in the sight of unbelievers. The keeper of the prison, now think about this for a minute. How easy would it have been for him to blame God for where he was? You know, I asked you a minute ago, how do you respond when you're falsely accused? Now, if there's evidence and you're, you're guilty, then you need to get right with God. There's none. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about when you falsely accuse them. We have to respond the way Joseph did. We're taught in Scripture that when we're falsely accused, that the way that we defend ourselves is we continue to walk with God as we have in the past. Our testimony will validate us and we will be validated and vindicated without even having to say a word simply because there is no evidence to prove the false accusation. Amen? Look here. Here, here we go with Joseph. I can imagine with Potiphar, he probably put together a search party. I imagine he probably had the, the Egyptian CIA under his control. I imagine they did some investigation, but you know what? Regardless of what the investigation came back, he probably wasn't going to believe it much because he was so tore up and his wife was so convincing that he cast him in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph. How did he continue to prosper? The Lord just wasn't with him, but he showed him mercy. And he found favor. Look, wait a minute. Look at verse 22. And the keeper of the prison, what did he do? <laughs> Committed to Joseph's hands all the prisoners who was in prison. Look, you know what he said? Hey, Joseph, you're in charge of all these jailbirds right here. you in charge. I'm putting you in charge because you know what? I have seen evidence of a man who has God's hand on his life. He found favor with the prison guards. This is amazing. He was over those, look here. All the prisoners who were in the prison and whatever they did there, it was his doing. That meant he was in charge. And the keeper of the prison did not look on anything that was under Joseph's authority. Why? Because the Lord was with Joseph. Guys, listen to me. There are so many times in this life circumstances are going to go against what we had expected. There are so many times that we're going to be trying to move three steps forward and not five steps back. There's so many times that things are not going to go as we planned. There's so many times things are not going to go the way we had them mapped out. There's so many times that even people that we love and trust may raise up and try to throw cold water on the work that God is doing. I totally understand that, but hear me. If anybody teaches us about perseverance and integrity and staying true under fire, it is Joseph because Joseph, regardless of what happened to him, there was one thing that could not be taken from him and that was the fact that the Lord was with him. Now let me fast forward New Testament real quick and I'm done. Fast forward to the Gospel of John chapter 19. Once again, the world was in a mess. Once again, the Lord, I mean, the world needed redeeming. Once again, the world still, from the foundation of the world, stood in need of a Savior. And even Jesus Christ himself said to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane, my God, my God, from the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
I'll never forget the first time I read that the way it is in the old King James. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Y'all read that? There was some lady who said, dear God, he's speaking in tongues now. No, no, hear me. That being translated says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus Christ, even though forsaken by the world, stayed faithful to the will of his Father. And I used to always say, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago, I used to always try to figure out just what was it? What was the main thing that really held him to the cross? Because we know it wasn't the nails, it wasn't the ropes, it wasn't the fear of the Sanhedrin or, or the high priest or the Roman Empire. It wasn't any of those things. But when you go all the way to the book of Philippians chapter 2, you see that this was what it was, that he was obedient even to the death of the cross. You know what kept him being faithful? Was he was obedient to the will of the Father. Even when he was forsaken. We have an Old Testament picture of Joseph here in Genesis 37 and 39 of one who has been totally forsaken, not just by his family, but even by the foreigners. Even those who bought him and sold him and sold him off again, even by Potiphar's wife, but wherever he went, the blessing of God was clear. Why? Because he stayed faithful even when he was forsaken. Here's the thing we gotta take with us today. You will be forsaken in this world. But by the power of God within you, you can remain faithful and you can see the ultimate purpose of God fulfilled in your life if you will remain faithful even when you're forsaken. So here's the invitation today. Do you feel forsaken? Have you been forsaken? And you fail to forgive? I imagine, oh, Joseph, it doesn't record it all in Scripture, and I'm going to ask him when we get to heaven, Key, because i got some good stuff. It won't matter then, but we're going to be there forever. So a couple of million years, me and Joseph hanging out. And Joseph, what would you do when he chunked you? What old, what old, he don't tell us what old, what old Potiphar said to you. I imagine he probably said some ugly words to you. Cause I imagine he hurt your feelings. I imagine he threatened you. His wife, I mean, boy, you talk about a mess. I mean, Joseph, tell me, well, but what about that keeper of the prison? We don't know his name either. How'd you gain favor here? Now, I can just see Joseph in my sanctified imagination. Well, son, I just kept my eyes on the Lord. Just kept my eyes on the Lord. Well, how'd you do that? Just kept my eyes on the Lord because I had found him to be true. In every situation, every circumstance, and I knew I could trust him. Hear me. That's what I want for you today. Is for you to leave this place with blessed assurance, with a relationship with a holy God, where you can trust him to be faithful even when you're forsaken. And even when you're tempted to go out. You know, I just want to say, Joseph, come on, man. Wouldn't there some points along the way you just want to say, okay, God, I've had enough. I'm done. It's not worth it. You know what I imagine he'll say? No, son, ain't nothing ever going to get that bad because he's good all the time. Every event of your life is there to make certain that the purpose of God is fulfilled in your life. Even the hard stuff. 
even the things you wish would never come. God, is, you know what he's taking? He's just taking the clay and he's molding it to look more like his son. In my first church, there was a young boy who used to sing quite a bit. His name was Tony. Tony was about 12 years old or so when I became his pastor, 12 or 13. And he used to sing this song that said these words, over and over, he molds me and makes me. Into his image, he fashions the clay. A vessel of honor, I am today. All because Jesus didn't throw the clay away. Aren't you glad that when you get a little broken and bruised and battered and beat up, that he doesn't say, but he does like this. And he begins to use the circumstances, the situations of life, and he begins to put the clay and mold you back to who he wants you to be. You say, I'm too broken. I'm too broken. I'm too big of a mess. Not even God could fix me. Oh, 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 let me help you. Adrian Rogers used to say that most men throw away broken things. I don't know about you. There's some things I love to fix things, but some things they get beyond fixing and you just got to chunk them, right? We used to fix stuff all the time. We used to fix VCRs. Does anybody even own one? I mean, we used to get TVs fixed. Those are all disposable now. We don't, no, no. We just throw those things away because they're broken. But Adrian said, most men throw away broken things, but God rarely uses a man until he has first been broken. Can I tell you, in the past 28 years of being a pastor, God has broken me several times. Several times. You say, what'd you do? Did you get haughty or high? No, no, I really no, no. I, I mean, there's always been humbling things to keep me from ever thinking too much of myself. I struggle with weight and I struggle with different things. There's always these things that kind of, just that thorn in my flesh that keeps me humbled. I didn't ever get haughty or thinking a whole lot of myself or all that stuff. Sometimes I think I'm guilty of thinking too little of myself and, and, and that's a danger too. It wasn't that, but God just breaks us from time to time so he can make us more like Jesus. It may take a pit, may take a prison like Joseph. I don't know what it might take, but whatever it takes to break you, God's willing to do it to make you more like Jesus. If you're here today and you say, you know, I'm just too broken, I'm too big of a mess, I want to encourage you to come to Jesus today because I promise you he won't throw the clay away. He will mold you and make you in the image of his dear son if you will submit to his authority. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for the privilege that you've given me <clears throat> to just open the pages of your word today and try my very best to help people to understand the truth that's contained within it. Oh, God, today you give us a wonderful example of a man who's just like us, as human as we are. Oh, God, under intense pressure, he stayed true. He didn't give in the demands of Potiphar's wife. He didn't give in to the pressure that was around him. He didn't even cave when Potiphar cast him into prison. He just kept walking with you. 
scripture is clear it's because you were with him Father I'm grateful today that you're not only with us but for New Testament believers we have the wonderful privilege of you dwelling within us God I thank you for Joseph's commitment to character when he says I I can't dishonor God with this I can't go along with these demands because it will dishonor the name of my God and Lord help us to let that be our driving force Lord we know Joseph he was forsaken forsaken by his own but faithful to the finish Father, I pray right now in this invitation time there be a man, woman, boy, girl in this house is in a condition that I've been in many others have been in where our hearts are just broken over circumstances beyond our control where we feel so broken that we feel that even you can't put us back together God, I pray that this would be the day that it comes surrender heart and soul and not look back. God, that they would look at the example of a godly man like Joseph and say it is possible to walk with God even in this sinful and chaotic world. God, I pray today that lives are changed at this invitation. Somebody could go away today with a relationship with Jesus they didn't have this morning. Somebody could go away today trusting you with everything instead of holding back. But God, whatever you do, I'm going to be careful to give you praise. Be careful to give you glory and honor. Because it's all because of you were here. Pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's stand our feet all across the house. As we're standing, I want to encourage you today. Don't you hear my heart? Hear God's heart for you. Whatever fire you're under, no matter how hot the furnace gets, there is a reason to stay faithful. And I want you to know that I and the Lord, according to Hebrews 12, that great cloud of witnesses of the saints of God that went on long before us the book of Hebrews and the Old Testament are two they're cheering you on I'm cheering you on and there are others cheering for you right here today because the world is real easy to point fingers and they're real easy to drag you down but I'm here to tell you today you can be faithful can be faithful all the way to the finish Apostle Paul said I fought a good fight finished the course I've kept the faith henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge should give to me at that day and not to me only but unto all those who love his appearing guys I want to tell you there's a lot of guys quit being faithful in the fourth quarter it ain't just the first quarter a lot of guys fumble the ball long but I want to tell you why even if you fumble the ball he ain't throw the clay away you come to Jesus and just trust him with it all Marty you lead us when you're ready
seated there, our ushers are getting ready. I want to encourage you as you're coming, if you have any uh, correspondence on the tear-offs or prayer, record, prayer requests, praise reports, or anything that we've talked about earlier that needs to be on there, please do that. I appreciate you doing that. It helps us so much. I want to encourage you in our time of giving today to always be faithful. Um, we learned just right here today that God's always faithful, regardless of what's going on around us. And I want to encourage you to always be faithful because our faithfulness <clears throat> has so much to do with his purpose being accomplished in our lives. So I want to encourage you today to be faithful in your giving because God has us on a path. He has us on a course to touch the world in ways that's beyond our comprehension right now. So let's be faithful giving today and let's join our hearts together and ask God's blessings on our giving.
favorite verse of that song, Connie, is when it says, when Christ shall come with a shout of acclamation. Boy, I'm looking for that, aren't you? Amen. The old preacher said it's time to quit looking for, uh, looking for signs and start listening for sounds. Amen. Thanks be to God for that. Hey, don't forget this afternoon, 430 for choir. Everybody is involved with Christmas. Uh, please be here for that so we can get ready. That's going to be on December the 19th. Six o'clock will be our time for our Christmas musical this year if you want to go ahead and knock that down. So you'll be sure uh, to be in attendance for that because you won't want to miss it. Some great music. They got a new musical this year, and I know you will be blessed by that. Don't forget on your way out, too, if you do want to pick up your devotion books, Glenn is here at the Welcome Center. If you want those personalized as a gift or something like that, I'd be humbled to do that for you if you're giving those away. Uh, and we would appreciate you... Uh, all you do with that, and just know it's a blessing. So many people are going to be blessed by your faithfulness to give, and not only, but to give the gifts away and see how it works in the lives of people throughout the year. Amen. Let's stand our feet, church. We're going to sing out. I want you to know before you leave that I love you. There's absolutely nothing you can do to stop me. Amen. I'm crazy about the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm crazy about his people, and I'm just, just trusting God for great things in the days ahead. Appreciate your prayers for us. You, you've made a, a portion of my 28 years pastoring a real blessing. I told a friend of mine yesterday, and I told another friend this morning, I've been so blessed in this journey. I never dreamed that I'd go through the things I've gone through and experience the stuff I've experienced and come home to people that I've known all my life and they treat me better than anybody ever has. I just tell you, that's just a real, real blessing. A lot of things that God put in my heart has come true and would not be possible without your prayers and your encouragement and your blessing and you, you just it just means so much so thank you much I look forward to seeing what God's going to do on down the road so Marty you sing us out and I'll be out front to greet you